You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 237, Training Your Church Safety Team. You know, over the last several episodes, I've been telling you how to set up a safety ministry in your church. And this is so important. We don't have to look very far to see that churches are increasingly becoming the victims of violence. Um, You know, we welcome people in that have emotional issues. Uh, We work with couples that are going through domestic situations, and very often these things can uh, become volatile and in some cases become violent. And of course, we've got the worst case scenario with an active shooter. So we want to be churches that are protecting their flock, not just spiritually, but also physically. So that's what we've been doing over these last several episodes. If you haven't heard them, go check them out. It will help you. Um, And I really do want to just let you know that obviously I'm not a lawyer. I was a street cop for 30 years. Um, And, you know, when you start giving people advice on carrying guns and setting up a safety ministry, um, you know, it's probably good for you to check, obviously, and I've said this throughout, check your local laws on what's um, the requirements are for somebody to, to carry a pistol in your church, uh, even if they're a part of the team. Um, look and see what the, the, the legal ramifications are. If you want to check with the insurance company at your church, um, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, I'm not giving you legal advice, but I'm going to tell you what most churches are doing um, to, to, to protect themselves and to set up a team of dedicated men and women to look after the flock. So, you know, it's not enough to just start a safety ministry in your church. These men and women need to be trained. And yes, I said women too. We have women on our team. Uh, Many churches do, and and this is awesome because uh, women, uh, I've worked with many women police officers over the years, uh, talented, dedicated protectors. And so you can have the same thing on your church safety team. Obviously, they have to pass the same standards that that everybody else does. But I I encourage you to go after women as well for your team. Create diversity among your team. Um, You know, and it's not enough to just uh, develop a team. We've got to train this team. And not only to just train them initially, we have to have ongoing training. You know, with the police department, uh, when I went through the police department, the the, the actual training time with the, the, the police academy and then the field training uh, periods, you know, eight, nine, ten months. Um, and, and now it's, it's ongoing training. Officers have to be trained uh, throughout the year. I remember a couple of times a year I would have to go in and, and take classes to maintain my certification. Uh, my particular department, we shot every quarter. 
even though the state only required that we qualify once a year, um, the particular police department I worked for, we actually shot four times a year. So, um, you know, I'm not saying you have to do that with your safety team, but again, there needs to be standards established and you want them to be trained. Um, a trained team is a professional team. And a professional team, um, they're going to be more confident. You're going to be more confident if you're the pastor leader that's looking, uh, that, that oversees them. And, and obviously, the more trained and professional they are, the better job they're going to do in protecting your church. Now, the first question I want to ask and, and address is how often should your team train? Um, you know, I recommend at least quarterly. If you can do it once a month, that's even better. Uh, our team kind of, we shoot for once a month. We don't always hit that, but, um, but you know, we, that, that is what our goal is. And typically what we will do um, is even though we may not get together monthly, many months we will, but um, on those months when we're not actually able to get together because of scheduling conflicts, I'll send out a church training podcast, video, or article. So there's some type of training taking place every month. And if you can't do that, then then you know maybe quarterly will work best for you. But it's really important that we be diligent and that we stay with it. And like I say, uh, personal, you know, in um, training in person, when you get together and go, you know, do some training and study a topic and work through it um, is very, very helpful, especially when we start talking in a few minutes about some of the different topics that need to be covered. There's some of these things that will only work when you're together. But some of the other topics, um, a podcast, a video, or an article might very well suffice. don't go away. We will be right back. Um, In fact, we're about to jump into the topics that you need to cover um, for your church training ministry, for your church safety ministry. But before we do that, I want to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Running Towards the Abyss. This is volume four in the Zombie Terror War series, and you know that I've been highlighting um, these books over the last few weeks. And, you know, this series deals with terrorism. It deals with, um, obviously, zombies. But it, it, it really, so much of it draws from my law enforcement career. Um, the characters that, that are inspired in the novels, some of the action. Um, I really think if you like a good, fast-paced read, um, a lot of action, some romance thrown in, check out the Zombie Terror War series. And out of all six books, book number four, Running Towards the Abyss, is my favorite. Uh, In this story, our main character, Chuck McCain, is on his own. He's been working with his team. They've been combating the terrorists who are trying to spread this bioterror weapon. But now, as you're going to find out, and you'll find out why if you read the book, he's by himself, he's on his own, trying to locate his daughter. The communications grid has broken down. The power grid is down uh, on the East Coast. Things are are almost apocalyptic. Not quite, but almost apocalyptic. And so he's got to get to his daughter. He's wondering if she's safe, if she's even still alive. 
And so that's what book four is. It's Chuck trying to get to his daughter. But it's not an easy task. So listen, check this one out. Like I say, out of all six, I love them all. They're like my kids. But book four is my favorite, and I encourage you to check it out. All right, well, we're back. We're talking about training your church safety team. What kinds of training do they need? Well, obviously, as we've said last week, they need to have their initial firearms training. Um, and, if you, and again, we're talking about a team that you've developed from, from the ground up. And if you missed the last couple of episodes, we talked about the different types of security. Um, if you're building a team from the ground up, from within your church, an armed team, then you have to require their initial firearms training. Um, I require a certificate from an NRA, a, nationally, a National Rifle Association certified course. Uh, the NRA is... Uh, the standard in firearms safety in our country. And so um, their certification means a lot. So initial firearms training, because you think about it, some people may want to join this ministry and they're starting um, really at square one if they've never had any experience with firearms. And that's okay. We can train them, but they have to get their initial training. And along with that, um, I, I'm, I, I've been a firearms instructor myself, and I'll, I'll meet them at the range, and I'll coach them, and I'll work with them. Um, and, and they actually have to go through a certification, a qualification course that I'm going to take them through. And I mentioned last week, um, you know, you, if, if, if you're not comfortable doing that, if you're not a firearms instructor yourself, then it's, it's not hard to find. Most gun stores, most gun ranges have certified instructors, and they can help you for a, for a price, of course, but they'll make sure your team gets certified. But, uh, but I enjoy spending time at the range with my guys, working girls, working with them, helping them develop their skills. Um, you know, a lot of times, even, you know, even between qualifications, we only qualify once a year as a safety team. But uh, every few months, some of us will meet at the range, and um, I'll work with them, maybe give them some drills to practice that will help um, uh, increase their confidence and take their, 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 uh, their, their skills to another level. So that's number one. Number two. This is a great, great topic to train in, and this is judgmental shooting or simulator training. Now, I don't have access to this anymore, but for a year and a half, when I brought people onto my team, I was able to take them and put them on a simulator that was at at the local range, and it was the the shoot-don't-shoot scenarios, and I was able to check the judgment on the people that I was bringing onto my team. I was able to kind of turn the stress up a little bit. Um, I made them, you know, actually give verbal commands to the um, you know, the people in the screen that they were seeing up on the movie, on you know, projected onto the wall. <clears throat> I wanted to hear their verbal commands. I wanted to see, could they de-escalate a situation? And so this was a great opportunity for coaching and for training. Like I said, I don't have access to this anymore. They've done away with it at the range. But you might check and see if there's one of those at any of the ranges in your locale. Um, and then, you know, some police departments also have these as well. You might, I doubt you'd be able to get into it, but it never hurts to ask. And that's number two. So initial firearms training and their uh, their, their their qualification, their certification, Um that's number one. Number two, judgmental or simulator training. Uh, number three, very, very important, use of force continuum. 
Now, the use of force continuum, if you're not a, a police officer involved in safety training, you, you may not have even be, be familiar with those terms. What is the use of force continuum? Um, I'd say Google it. There's some you know, use of force continuum. Um, you, it'll pop up. But it talks about how force um, escalates as we use it. In other words, you know, a police officer can't just come on a scene and immediately start using force. Um, the first level of force that they tell the police officer is, is your presence. You show up, that is a level of force because people are immediately going to respond differently. And then the next level of force is going to be verbal commands. You're telling them what you want them to do. And so it increases all the way up to deadly force. Now, I use the same force continuum that I use with a police department when I'm training our safety team members because it's going to teach them how to reasonably apply force. It's going to let them know um, where they're at in the continuum and what levels of force they can use um, in certain situations. I mean, obviously our goal is to never use force in a church setting, but reality is we might have to one day, and our people need to be trained. So this is excellent, excellent training. We go through this every year. Police departments train their officers in it regularly, and I encourage you to make sure your safety team understands this. Um, this is the difference between applying force correctly and not. And reality is it's also um, the, the difference between applying force legally and illegally. I mean, are there ever situations where you can shoot someone who's unarmed? The level of force continuum training will actually, you know, cover that. Um, what about different types of weapons? Um, what about using physical force? How, how and when can we apply that? And, uh, you know, this is definitely something that needs to be covered every year. And, and if you've got any questions about it, again, feel free to reach out to me. I'm a, I, I consult with churches. I help churches set up, um, you know, different aspects of their leadership team. But I also work with churches specifically in the area of church safety and security as well. So if I can help you with this, I'd be happy to do that. So that's number three, the use of force continuum. Number four, this is and this is something they need to be trained in, CPR and basic first aid. Now, I think CPR certifications last for two years. We had ours done last year, um, so our guys are good for another year or so. Um, but CPR training is very important, and even just basic first aid training. Um, I mean, look, we've got good EMS in our area. The ambulance, we had to call an ambulance to, to an elderly gentleman in our church who fell and busted his head open. But it still took them, gosh, almost 10 minutes to get there. Seven or eight minutes, maybe even close to 10. And so while we were waiting on them, you know, we, we began to apply pressure to his head. And it, it actually, that particular situation was a couple of years ago, and it forced us to... Um, you know, really look at some of the, the, the first aid supplies we had because we were woefully unprepared for that particular situation. And so we restocked um, first aid supplies. I spent some money. And so we've got first aid supplies stocked in different areas around the building in case they're needed. But basic first aid, how to apply pressure to a wound, um, the importance of wearing rubber gloves, 
um, you know, how to apply, uh, uh, again, we said pressure, um, how to uh, immobilize somebody, you know, don't, don't let them be moved if they've got a possible neck or back injury. So, you know, um, what do you do if somebody's having a seizure? So really important things. And obviously, if you've got somebody in your church who's a nurse or a paramedic or um, a doctor, that's even better. But if you don't, then, then this is going to fall on the probably the service team and the safety team. So basic uh, CPR, and first, CPR and first aid are very, very important things. And then number five, um, we've talked about initial firearms training and then, you know, your yearly uh, qualification, uh, judgmental shooting um, slash simulator training, if you can get access to that. Uh, the use of force continuum, how important that is. We talked about CPR and basic first aid. Number five, and we'll stop here and pick back up next week. Number five, basic defensive tactics. You know, again, we don't want to ever have to use force in our church. But if somebody's being violent, we may have to. Um, if somebody attacks your pastor, you're going to have to use a certain amount of force to protect them. If somebody, if, 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 if there's a domestic violence situation taking place in the lobby of your, your church, you may have to step in there while you're waiting on the police to get there. Remember, our job's to protect and serve. We're not going to stand by and watch somebody get beat up or, or you know, potentially killed uh, while we're waiting on the police to get there. So we need to have basic defensive tactics. And I mentioned somebody attacking your pastor. I mean, the reality is when in, in many cases, many cases that I've seen, when churches are attacked, they're also attacking the pastor. Um, they see the pastor as the representative of the church. I saw a video uh, recently of a Catholic church, I believe it was from Canada, where, where the, the, the priest was standing on the stage and he was conducting Mass. And some, somehow a woman was able to, uh, she disagreed with his stance um, on a particular issue, and so she charged the stage, but she was able to come up from behind him and shove him. He turned out to be an elderly man. I think he was 67. And she came up behind him and knocked him in the back, shoved him in the back, knocked him off the stage, and it was a three or four foot drop. And so he was injured. And then she ran, and uh, I mean, it was just a big mess. They didn't have any security in place. So a certain uh, amount of defensive tactics training is very, very important. Uh, we trained that earlier this year. We worked on uh, you know different types of maneuvers. I'm a lifetime martial artist. I've trained uh, many, many people. I've been involved in training others, and uh, including police officers, and then also civilians. And uh, so we worked on um, you know nothing crazy, but just uh, being able to move somebody away or be able to get them to the ground and hold them down and control them until the police get there. So some basic maneuvers. You know, we're not talking about learning, you know, how to do a lot of punches and kicks. Um, the main thing is learning how to control somebody and working with your team and controlling that um, uh, disruptive and violent person until the police can get there. So defensive tactics is definitely something that you need to address. And again, you may be feeling kind of overwhelmed because you say, well, I'm not a firearms instructor. I'm not a martial artist. But, you know, this is where you look at the people in your church and you look at the people in your community. Uh, one of our churches who have helped uh, set up their safety team and uh, you know 
talk them through it. Uh, the person who's in charge of it is a martial arts instructor. So good for them. They've got a good place to start. Um, other churches that I've talked to, um, they don't have that. So they may have to look into the community, maybe get a police officer to come in, or maybe a local martial arts school. Maybe they could pay them a little bit to come in and do a night of training for their safety team. Um, and this is a great way to reach out into the community as well by, by reaching to, you know, to one of the, the martial arts schools. So again, if you've got any questions about something like that, feel free to reach out to me because, again, this is what I do. I'd be happy to kind of point you in the right direction or help you myself. Now listen, I'm going to stop here. Um, we're, we're definitely getting towards uh, time we need to cut off. But next week, we're going to be coming back and we're going to be talking about more um, very, very important training topics that you need to cover with your safety team. And uh, for now, um, I'm just going to stop there. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me. My, my email is david at davidspell.com. Leave a question or comment at the comment section uh, on this post at davidspell.com. And make sure you check out my website. Um, while you're there, leave me your email address. I'll give you, send you my, uh, my newsletter I send out once a month. Talk about different things that we're doing, some leadership training, tell you about my wife and I's uh, missionary activities. I'm actually getting ready to go to India on a trip. Um, I'll be sharing about that in a few weeks, I'm sure. But for, uh, for now, let's just do a quick recap. How often should I train? At least quarterly. Monthly is better. And then what should I train? We covered five things today. Initial firearms training and your yearly qualification. Number two, judgmental shooting. Number three, the use of force continuum. Number four, CPR and basic first aid. And then number five, defensive tactics. Well, we'll jump back in next week. Friends, it's good being with you. Thanks for uh, listening to Leading and Learning. And until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to keep protecting the